Welcome to the Lead Defend Podcast, a show designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build up your faith as you engage a changing culture. Now, here are your hosts. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us again for the Lead Defend podcast. Brock and Ryan are here with our guests, Brett and Aaron Kunkel. And we're actually getting ready uh, to have the Lead Defend conference tomorrow. Brett and Aaron are going to be joining us for the middle school portion. And so, Brent, Ar- Brett and Aaron, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Now, you guys co-founded an organization called Maven, correct? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Aaron, you go are. ahead. <laughs> Jump right in, Aaron. <laughs> You usually like to do Okay, that. well, maven is a <laughs> word that means, so it refers to someone who's knowledgeable or an expert okay. in a certain field and then seeks to pass that on. And that's really what we want to do with Christian knowledge uh, for a new generation. We want to help young people know what they believe, they know what the truth is, know why they believe it, and then know why it matters, why it touches every single area of life. Hmm. And so that's what we're passionate about, really equipping and discipling the next generation to uh to know and defend what they believe, but then also to engage the world with that mm. truth and not to back down, not to cower be, uh, because you're going to get a lot of pushback in this day and age. I, so you say the word engage. Um, I, I think some people hear the word engage and they're like, oh, there, there's too much fighting already going on. So, so what do you mean when you say the word engage? Well, I, I think there's a number of different levels to sure. engagement. I think when we look at the New Testament, the first level of engagement is uh, the Great Commission. Yeah. I mean, it's the primary mission of the church is to proclaim this incredible news to the world. So it's the sharing and proclamation and defense of the gospel. And so that involves a lot of just conversations with people and uh, asking a lot of questions. Mm and graciously but intelligently dialoguing with people. That, so that'd be one level of engagement. So you're saying you're not teaching folks to like go hard in the Facebook comments. <laughs> well, Erin, <laughs> well, you get really worked up on the Facebook comments. <laughs> wow. Is that right, Erin? Wow. You're calling I mean, you're out. being quiet right now, but oh, you, man, on Facebook, not. you really come out. And <laughs> oh my guns blazing. No, I mean, that. that is, it's funny you say that, because that is what, when we think of engagement, it's like, oh, on yeah. social media, I'll say what I actually think. But no, I mean, at Maven, we we train young people to have proper engagement um, in, in the way that Christians ought to. If we're following Jesus, he models mm-hmm. for us how to engage with people. And so it actually, social media might be an outlet that we engage. <sighs> sure, yeah. But most of the time, it's doing what we're doing right now, which is sitting right. down and looking someone in the eye, hearing their story, hearing the questions they have, and kind of finding out what they think about things and then engaging with that and going back and forth with that. So, yeah, engagement sometimes could just be uh, just that shallow social media part, which which again might have a place, but it's mm-hmm. it's much bigger than that. Yeah, and and social media can be a place to actually develop some courage. Yeah, because when you do get face to face with someone, you're going to need some courage, mm. and knowing that you're going to whether you you post some statement about a particular issue or some claim to truth, mm-hmm. knowing that there are people who disagree with you, uh, it takes some courage to post that. Because yeah. I think a lot, like in the whole realm of social media, what we see is that a lot of times we're quiet 
and we won't say anything because sometimes people, sometimes Christians engage just horribly. Mm -hmm. And so they just, we we were like, we don't want to make ourselves look horrible like that. But then sometimes that can also be an excuse to say, well, you know, this is not real engagement where it can actually be. Mm -hmm. So it's, but it's from social media to face-to-face conversations to activism. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's part of engagement is, uh, you know, the Christian worldview, Christian truth applies to every single area of life. And so whether it's, you know, uh, local politics or even thinking about politics on a national level, that's part of engagement. Sure. It's, uh, it's being involved in your community. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's being involved in nonprofits or charities or uh, it doesn't even have to be organized. It can just be figuring out, hey, what am I going to do to love my neighbor, my literal neighbor? Yeah. You know, so I think it, engagement is all that. Yeah, you know, you mentioned, you know, us operating from that Christian worldview, and we certainly live in a world that views a lot of things different than the Christian worldview. And so what are some challenges maybe you see for, for those students today as, as they're trying to exercise who they are uh, with that Christian worldview that they've learned from the Bible? Rock, when's the last time you exercised? When, last time I exercised? <laughs> man, it was a few weeks ago. Um, I have a rowing machine in my Dude, garage. Dude, I have a rowing machine. One with the water in it? No, no, That's no, what no. I have. No, it's, this one. That's awesome. <laughs> I, in, now I haven't used it in two years, yeah, but I have It's one. been a while. Sure. But in how, California, we're closer to water, water, so we actually do real rowing. Oh, yeah. You guys so wow. my, my dad is actually... Way to one-up us, I see. <laughs> my dad did, did some of that, uh, like outrigger canoeing in oh, Hawaii really? and, and yeah. different things. But yeah, so having, having that, that worldview... What are some challenges that, you, that you're seeing to that Christian worldview taking place in the lives of, of students and really anyone? Your topic. Well, yeah, I think probably the biggest one that we're hearing from students and parents is the topic of gender and sexuality. Sure. That's kind of a big war that our culture is waging right now. And so, so yeah, the job of the church, right, is to figure out what what all of these things even mean how to how to teach our people about it and then how to engage in the culture about it so unfortunately in the culture you know the argument it's kind of they've just jumped past making any arguments about um, why we should think the way we do and instead on tiktok we're just lambasted with video after video Mm -hmm. of gender means whatever i want it to mean and there's, there's not two genders, there's an infinite amount of genders, these sorts of things. So no arguments are being made, just, just ideas are just being shoved down our throats. And of course, it's the Christian worldview presents a much different view of human beings, mm-hmm. of what it means to be male and female, that male and female have deep meaning to them. Yeah. And, it, that, and, and even I think in the church, sometimes we'll just go talking about gender and we'll go right to roles okay so man and woman that means you do this and you do this well that kind of short circuit the beauty of our creation and and of what it means to be male and female too so the church has to do a better job at really thinking about this i these ideas of what it means to be male and female present god's beautiful design of what that actually means so then when the culture presents a counter option it's actually less appealing because God's design is actually much more beautiful yeah. and much more persuasive and much more, I think, uh, appeals to us because it it recognizes reality mm. and what we see. Mm. And so that captures us in a way that when you see a forfeit, you're like, yeah, but that 
I don't think that's actually true. And that doesn't actually match up with what I'm seeing around me. And it doesn't, what you're saying, I don't think is actually true because of lots of, you know, lots of reasons. So I think gender and sexuality are definitely the biggest one. Yeah. And I want to highlight something that you said, Aaron, because I think it's really important in terms of thinking about how culture influences us. Because mm. you were talking about it, it, culture doesn't make arguments, mm. typically. Sure. There's not logic behind it. Instead, what it does, the way that uh, culture typically shapes us is it just presents to us what is the norm. Sure. Right. And so now this is the standard. Meet it, or yeah, this is what everyone get thinks. Yeah. Everyone's you, now using is that, their is that pronouns. New? Or do you think that obviously the the things that are being presented are new? But do you think that idea of of just a, a, a new worldview, a new culture being presented without really any basic arguments, is that something that's kind of new in our day, or is, do you think that's really how it's always been? I think that's typically how it's always been. I think if you think about culture like an ocean, mm-hmm. right, and we're all swimming in that ocean of culture. And so just by being in the culture... Not us. We buy row machines. You buy, <laughs> and we buy surfboards. Okay. In California. Um, but just by being in the ocean, you get wet. Yeah. And I think that's a, a great analogy. Just by living in the culture, you get shaped. Mm. And we're all shaped in various Man, ways. That, that's such a good word because we don't even understand how shaped we are yeah. because yeah. it's just the so... It's so around us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so that's where I think uh, young people who are so immersed in uh, the world of social media have got to be aware of that. Whereas like mm-hmm. older generations like, th- th- who aren't on that stuff don't have that additional influence. They're still shaped sure. by the culture, but there are certain things, there are certain mediums that can accelerate our, you know, being conformed to the culture. And I think social media is one of those. Yeah. And, and you're not saying, Hey, the answer is shut off your phone and live as a nomad forever. So what is the answer? Like how, how do you how do you live in that world being inundated with stuff and and know, okay, there's there's things that are dangerous to me, to my yeah. worldview, and navigate that well. Yeah. No, shut off your phone and live like a monk. That's, okay, that's, okay. That's our That's view. our advice. Yeah, sure. So uh, I well, I would say that that that's a huge question. Yeah. I think if we maybe to think about it in, in some different steps. One step would be First, you've got to know the truth. Mm. You have got to know the Christian worldview. You have got to know theology. You have got to know scripture. You've got to know the truth in order for you to build up a resistance to lies. And this is kind of what mm-hmm. you know you were saying, Aaron. Um, if you it, it, so, that's the starting place is to know our own faith, and and uh, you know, frankly, the the church for a long time now in American culture has been super shallow, just so shallow. Most people don't know what they believe or why they believe it. Mm. And one of the things that we'll do is uh, role play. Like I'll I'll go into a youth group or a college group or wherever and role play an atheist, Hmm. or sometimes I'll role play a Mormon and uh, and argue for Mormonism using the Bible, or I'll role play an atheist and pretty much universally, and it's not just student groups. When I do this with adult groups, it's, they can't. They can't hang at all. I yeah. mean, and it, it just it reveals how how our churches often have not equipped us for this stuff. So we got to go a whole lot deeper. I'd say that's yeah. probably the first step. Mm-hmm. And so some of it you're talking about knowledge too. Um, and students have this faith that is real, but maybe they don't have the knowledge that they need to keep growing. And so how how do you balance that? They have faith and they believe in Jesus, but. They just don't know what they should to have those conversations. 
Well, I think we've seen one way to motivate students is to get them out from behind the four walls of the church. Sure. Like we spend so much time within the four walls of the church. And one of the unique things that Maven does is uh, we do these things called immersive experiences. Okay. Where they're, they're kind of like worldview mission trips. Mm-hmm. And Aaron and I have led tons of groups uh, on these trips. Our kids, our, per, our kids have been on these trips. And, and Maven actually will put together kind of customized trips for uh, different groups, ministries, youth groups, Christian schools. And the whole idea is to say, all right, let's do the training. Let's read the books. Let's listen to the talks. Let's get prepared. And then let's go out and talk to people yeah. who do not believe what we believe mm-hmm. and engage them in mm-hmm. these worldview conversations, these apologetic conversations, ultimately so that they see how the truth is and, and the apologetic is all done and in, in used in service of the gospel. Yeah. And so we'll take students on to, uh, we've gone to UC Berkeley and go on and talk to skeptical students. Mm. We'll bring atheists out to challenge uh, our students. And we'll, we, we have a biblical trip to go, we go to Utah. We t- we'll do training on theology and scripture. And then we take students out and we get them in conversations with Mormons. And we'll go down and talk, uh, to T- Temple Square in downtown Salt Lake City and have them talk to Mormon missionaries. And what we see from uh, these trips is when you get it out of the classroom and into real life, and even if you get beat up a little bit by yeah. that atheist or by that Mormon who seems to know the Bible better than you, that actually creates motivation. Yeah. It, number one, it'll, ha- it'll help reveal to you how little you know. Yeah, um, wow. And then number two, uh, it, it'll motivate you to get prepared. I remember uh, Austin, this one kid, Austin, eighth grade. You know, we were a little nervous because he was one of the younger kids. We usually do high school and above. Yeah. But eighth grade, and he was going into high school, but, you know, he's just a squirrely guy. And um, he went out one day, and I think he was with his partner, and they ran into this Mormon who just shredded them. I mean, just up and down. And he came back, and you could tell he had, like, his tail tucked between his legs. Like <laughs> he got beat up. Sure. And he went into his room and disappeared for like three hours that night. And we're thinking, oh my gosh, is he okay? Is he like discouraged? And we could check on him and he's in there studying. Wow. Because he knows the next day he's going back out and he's talking to more students. And by the end of that week, it was, I mean, a different kid. Mm-hmm. Austin was so much more equipped. He was yeah. motivated and, uh, and, and passionate too mm. about this. Oh, sorry. So, I keep so, so, so let me ask this: You got a kid from Strawberry, Arkansas, and is that a real place? Uh, yeah, it is a real place. Oh, right. We can say something else. Right so next got, to you Locust got a kid Grove. From Cave Springs. Yeah, Locust, Locust Grove. Grove. We got a lot of them. You got a kid from Chiquila, Arkansas, <laughs> and um, this kid has not been exposed to some of those different things. So how do how do they how do they get out there and say, "Guys, I, I want to challenge myself. I want to challenge my faith. I, I want to learn and grow." And and how do they do that? And and also still have the right confines to to have the encouragement when it happens because like That's when you're taking word. them out there they're not going and do this isolated on themselves as if they could get swayed to believe things that aren't true you're kind of reconstructing after they get their tails kicked and come back yeah. and so so second part of that yeah how do they go out and get that challenge but then also not do it in a way that puts them in, at risk for for turning away themselves. Well, I mean, so it used to be that, yeah, you could be from a little town and maybe you wouldn't have exposure to all these different ideas out there. I I just think it's hard to believe that there's a kid even in a little town in Arkansas that doesn't have a phone that yeah. gives them access to ideas all word. over the world. Yeah. 
So I think, you know, if a, if, if a high school kid's listening and thinking, okay, I want to start engaging with some of this, I think part of it is you got to start investing a little bit, maybe in mm-hmm. reading and asking questions and listening to arguments against Christianity. Because mm-hmm. if Christianity is true, we don't have to be afraid of any of the ideas that yeah. pop up against it, right? If it's true. That's a great word. Yeah. It's if great it's word. not true, then we should be afraid. And so if if you're listening and you're thinking, well, I, I, maybe I should be afraid, I don't know. Well, we can tell you there's thousands of years of Christian history of people asking really hard questions mm. and getting really good answers. Yeah. So they're out there. I mean, we take kids to Utah because we've studied Mormonism, and we know that Mormonism teaches a different gospel. And so we train students in the Bible and, and theology and then we take them, and there are so many Mormons that know the Bible better than the Christian kids sure. that we bring up. So then now a Christian kid has to sit and say, okay, they know it better than me. I've been taught that their beliefs are false hmm. and mine are true. Do I really think that? Am I going to put in the work to do that? And so it, it gives them confidence, first of all, that there are answers out there that are true. And and for one thing, if you're listening and you're an apathetic Christian, like, in other words, you're sitting there like, I just don't think this stuff is important. Yeah, I don't care. Then get off the sidelines and start participating wow. yeah. in the life of the mind and the church. Mm-hmm. Because one thing that it does, when you're sitting across from a Mormon, and if you really start to believe as you study that they believe false things, yeah. you're looking another human being in the eye going, they're lost. Yeah. They don't know the truth. And we have had students time and time again come back to the church we're staying at that night and just broken over a person that they had a conversation with yeah. that day. Mm-hmm. And that is what motivates us when God shows us, hey, these are real people, real ideas that have real consequences. Mm-hmm. It's time to, yeah, maybe get out of the the Christian school, Christian church you're in all the time, which is a good community to have, but mm-hmm. get out of it and start wrestling with some of these big questions that they're waiting for you, right. whether you start thinking of them in high school. That's true college, whenever, they're going to be out there. So start engaging with them. You mentioned, you know, people fearing those questions. But what you're saying is that it's actually when we're addressed with those questions that our faith can actually be stronger, not weaker. Why why is it that for so many for so long have been afraid of those hard questions, uh, have, have been afraid to really wrestle with those things? Or, you know, is it is it laziness? Or what is it? Where does that fear come from? I think there's probably multiple reasons. I think number one is that in the in the U.S., you can look at over the like the last 120, 30 years and see that Christianity has become a very anti-intellectual hmm. faith. And so we talk about faith all the time. Yeah. We don't talk much about knowledge. We don't yeah. emphasize knowledge as much. What's interesting is the New Testament talks more about knowledge than it does about faith. Yeah. Christianity in its history has always been seen as a knowledge tradition, not merely a faith tradition, mm-hmm. that you kind of just exercise this belief sure. and put your faith in this thing. No, actually, Christianity has seen itself, and the world has seen it this way, is that it gives us knowledge of reality. Yeah. And if you think about the, the difference, I mean, they're connected. But if you think about the difference between knowledge and faith, in order to acquire knowledge, it does require work. It requires study. It requires reflection. It requires the exercise of the intellect. 
And if you think of your mind like as a muscle, it, it takes some working out. Yeah. And if you haven't worked out for a while, first time you go into the gym and try or to rowing machines, or yeah, first time you get on that rowing machine, I've never been on one, but um, <laughs> it's going to be a difficult process, right? And so uh, we, we just have there is a kind of lazy minds, and it's mm. often it's not necessarily our fault. It's that we haven't even, we don't even know sure. <laughs> that there is yeah. this rich intellectual heritage. So I think it's part of it. I think we have a misunderstanding of faith. We think faith is this kind of blind leap and faith is somehow disconnected from logic and truth and science and all this stuff. That's over there. But if I'm going to believe this supernatural stuff, I got to take a leap. I got to jump and leave all that behind. And that's just not a biblical view of faith. Faith properly understood from scripture is trusting in what you have good reason to believe is true. And if you think about it, how these are two are connected. I mean, just think about my relationship with, with Aaron, right? We've been married for uh, 25 years this coming summer. And if you said to me, yeah, that's a pretty, pretty good accomplishment. <laughs> good job. Good job. Um, if you said to me, hey, tell me about your wife, Aaron. I was like, oh, yeah, Aaron, she's five foot six. She has sandy blonde hair. She has two eyeballs. Yeah, that's my wife. You know, you'd be like, uh, no, come on, Brett, tell, tell us about your wife. And I said, well, that's kind of all I really know about her. Mm. Now, wouldn't you draw some conclusions about the nature of our relationship? Yeah. Absolutely, because we know that knowledge is connected to relationship. Yeah. And it's not just knowing a bunch of facts about her, but it's certainly nothing less than that. And as I grow in my relationship with her, I should be able to tell you all kinds of things about, you know, this woman. And as I grow in my knowledge of her, and particularly as I grow my knowledge of her character, you know, her, her sacrificial love for our family, her virtues, all those things, what does it do to my faith in her or my trust? My knowledge of her increases my trust in her. Hmm. And the same thing with God. The more we know, the more we know about him, his character, his scripture, the more we know about the evidence for why he's real, why his word is, you know, uh, is the inspired word from him, all of that gives us greater confidence to put our, our trust in him. Wow. So you would say to, to a student that's doubting, and, and they're like, man, I, I kind of maybe have a background in that whole faith church thing, but I don't know. You would say, seek more knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. I th- I'd say first, be honest. Yeah. You know, and this is where um, the church, all of us, whether we're leaders or just friends to someone, just to, to give people space yeah. to doubt and say, hey, let's get it all out on the table. Let's just be honest. You know, like you're doubting? All right, that's okay, but let's talk about it. I, and in fact, this is one of the, the reasons why we do these trips, these immersive experiences, because because we'll, we'll have students experience some doubt on those trips mm-hmm. when they get, they've never been challenged like this before. And But our idea is, hey, I would rather have you doubt with me yeah. than apart from me. Yeah. I wanna help walk you through that, because I think that we can help lead you to the truth. And so, number one, be honest, get all that stuff out on the table. Number two, for us uh, who are listening, listen well. Mm. You know, don't shut people down. Don't shut those doubts down. But what doubt can end up being, uh, what it can end up being is a tool that leads you to deeper faith. It helps, it can help strip away some of the, maybe the facade that you thought you knew more than you did. It Mm. can help strip away some bad ideas you grew up with about the Christian faith. And it can be this refining tool to lead you into a deeper faith. I mean, I think of the biblical story, Thomas doubting. Like, he was absolutely sure after Jesus proved himself. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's big. That's yeah. big. 
you know, we, we've said on this podcast before, like, hey, when you have doubts, um, be open with them. But but also, you can doubt your doubts. Like, it's okay yeah. to, to think, oh, maybe, maybe this doubt is not complete truth. But that means seeking. That means yeah. continually seeking out. Yeah. So. And like you said, be honest about what your doubts are. Some people have doubts about, you know, can we trust the Bible? Was Jesus historical? There's some people who they're going to put those up front as their doubts, but maybe really there's something else underneath. They're 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 mad at a God yeah. that they're they're struggling to, to believe in or, or or whatever. And and so, yeah. Here's an analogy to think about. Think about like peeling an onion. Yeah. Because a lot of times when people express their doubts, they express those doubts intellectually. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, I can't believe you know uh, that God would raise dead people, or I can't believe this, or I can't believe that, or there's contradictions in the Bible, whatever it might be. And oftentimes you can answer that, and they still struggle with doubt. And so what's going on? Well, you, you just you just peeled one layer off. Yeah. And often the outer layer is the intellectual. And then typically what ends up happening, I mean, people have real honest intellectual questions, mm-hmm. and we want to deal fairly with those things. But what, And you, you have to deal with those things first. But then what is you, if, if, some, if that doesn't squelch someone's doubts, or does, it doesn't help them work through those yeah. doubts, that means there's something else going mm-hmm. on. And often it's two other sources. It's either emotional. Yeah. Uh, I, I, they've been hurt. They've yeah. been hurt by the church. They've been hurt by a Christian friend. So they feel like God's let them down. And and then that that's the next layer you start getting to. Yeah. Or it's moral. Mm. They, they're, they're, they're living in sin. That's the one. They're sleeping with their boyfriend or girlfriend. That's uh, where you yeah. almost want to ask, like, if I gave you a satisfactory answer to your question, would it make you trust in Christ right now? Yeah. And if their answer is no, it's like, well, you can have a genuine doubt about that, but that's not, that's not the real answer then, because if, yeah. it's, if it's not going to lead to you trusting in Christ, then that's not really what you're dealing with. Yeah. Mm, that's big. I, I can just imagine right now there are some folks listening, and they're like, yeah, that's me. Like, they're, they're thinking, like, I've, I've, I've said that I have these questions, but actually I just like doing what I want to do, <laughs> and I've got the sin thing. or Which comes back and, to worldview. Or that person hurt me so bad. And so for that person, what's what's the immediate next step? Well, it's probably different for each person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for some for some people, uh, it, 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 well, it's, it's, you got to be honest with yourself. And not everyone is ready to be honest with themselves. Yeah, um, yeah I think, I, I mean, I'm just thinking how, you know, at, at Maven, and, and I think obviously you guys are reaching out to young people too, so at Lead and Defend. I mean, we have a deep respect for young people. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to your high school and college student, the culture tells you, you know what, it doesn't, the culture actually has a low view of you. Yeah. And they say, you know, what you think, it doesn't matter. Just do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And what at Maven and Lead and Defend, you know, we're saying what you think does matter. And mm-hmm. the choices you make today do matter. So if you are down, if you're struggling with something, you are at an age where you are more than capable to seek out what's really going on with wow. you. And I know, I mean, when Brett and I met, he was doing junior high ministry. So our whole marriage, we've been working with young people. We love young people. We love that stage of life you're at. And I know for me, when I was in junior high, that I had grown up in a Christian home, but I didn't really care about Christianity. Hmm. And in junior high is when I really started to decide, you know what? I'm going to kind of do my own thing and hide from my parents and lie. And that spiraled. And that spiraled worse and worse into high school. 
And in high school, more and more, it was like I'd go to church on Sunday with my parents. The rest of the week, my friends and I lived exactly the same lives. Some of them said they were Catholic. I said I was a Christian. Some said they were Buddhist. Some said they were atheists. We all lived the same way. Wow. And it wasn't until I, my senior year of high school, and I had a pretty much the same steady boyfriend through high school. Five months before graduation, I found out I was pregnant. I was planning to go away to school. All of that came crumbling down. And now I had to start thinking really big things, yeah. <laughs> asking really big questions. Mm-hmm. And, um, and even, is my life worth living anymore? Yeah. Those sorts of things. So we have a high view of, of the young people listening. What you think matters and what you do today has consequences. Mm-hmm. And you're shaping the person that you're gonna that you are, sure. you know. And so I would say find find someone to help you. Typically, that's gonna be someone older than you. Typically, because our friends, you know, they're our friends. They're with us, like we love them. They don't know any better. But than they you. <laughs> haven't traveled any further down yeah. the road than we have, right? That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And so, so in my life, I know just as I've grown now. People who are a little bit ahead of me, or sometimes way ahead of me, have been so helpful for giving me wisdom on thinking through not only how to live, but how to think through things, how, how, like I said earlier, you know, sometimes we think our questions are the first time someone's asked this question about God or life or whatever. But again, it turns out we have 2,000 years of Mm -hmm. history as a Christian church where people have wrestled with big big questions. So don't be afraid of it. There is someone around you older that maybe doesn't know the answer to your question, but they can help you. So seek out good people around you to help. Yeah. And, you know, I think some, sometimes, um, I think what you were talking about, the, the, the reason why and what you, your, your life kind of illustrates this fact that, and go back to what we said earlier, Christianity is is knowledge it's knowledge of reality therefore scriptural's uh, the scriptures commands uh, moral commands those aren't just like personal preferences like oh we should because we believe in god we should obey them no whether you believe in god uh, god or not he exists and he's given moral commands and and there's a moral fabric to the universe there's a moral reality that governs the universe so that if you break the moral laws, you will experience reality. You will experience running into reality, you know, and this is what Paul talks about in Galatians, right? You reap what you sow. Hmm. That, that only makes sense if there's a moral reality, an objective moral law. And so sometimes we are so stubborn that we have to run into that wall first. And, uh, and so some, I guess part of it's a warning like, hey, you, you don't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you can come back to God. And, uh, and repent and um, admit your, your sin and admit your brokenness. And what's the gospel? The gospel is that you're, you know, God pours out his mercy and his grace and his love and his healing. You know? Wow. And, um, and, and regardless where you are, whether you've hit the wall, yeah. you're broken because of it, or you're about to hit the wall and you're like, oh, I better hold up here. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, you can make that decision now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that. Well, Brett, Aaron, I so appreciate y'all being on yeah. here. Thank and, you, guys. Uh, so any last word? You're speaking to this generation of students. Well, what's the last word that you'd want to leave them with? 
Wow. Be That's pre- a big question. <laughs> yeah. Be prepared for the social costs of following Jesus. Wow. Mm. Uh, we live in a world which is no longer uh, positive mm-hmm. or even neutral toward the Christian worldview. It's very much hostile. Mm-hmm. And most of the institutions of our culture are now, now hostile, yeah. whether it's education, politics, big business, tech, all these things are hostile to the Christian faith. So when you stand for the truth, you need to be prepared for a pushback. But we, we should be prepared for that because Jesus told us about this. Yeah. In John 15, he tells us, hey, if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. Yeah. You know, the world hated Jesus. Well, who is the most loving person to walk the face of the earth? Yeah. Jesus. So even if you're loving and kind and gracious, it doesn't mean that you are not going to be hated by the world because if you follow Jesus, not only are you loving, kind, gracious, respectful, all that stuff, but you also do not compromise the truth. You know, John 1.14 talks about Jesus coming in both truth and grace. When we bring those things together, we can certainly reach the world, but I would say also be prepared for the world to push back. And and then what's our response? Well, to keep loving, Mm -hmm. you know, because Jesus tells us to even love our enemies, love those who hate us, love those who curse us. Excuse me. That's big. Hey, thank you all so much for joining us. This has been Ryan and Brock with Lead Defend Podcast. Until next time. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. To hear more episodes from the Lead Defend crew, visit absc.org slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, rate and review us on your favorite podcast listening site. Want to learn more information about the next Lead Defend conference? Visit leaddefend.org.